So anyway, let's get started this morning. How many of you uh, were given a puzzle piece when you came in this morning? If you would uh, lift up your puzzle piece and say, repeat after me, I am puzzled by this. <laughs> it really has nothing to do with the message today, but I thought it'd be fun to say that. So hold up your puzzle piece. There's an interesting, uh, you can put it down now, uh, but there's an interesting uh, exercise that I heard of a motivational speaker doing with a puzzle one time. There was a group of 10 people. He divided them into to two groups of five. He gave each group the exact same puzzle and gave them a certain amount of time that they had to finish the puzzle in. He then said, go. But the only difference was, is he gave one group the box top with the picture on it. And the other group, he didn't give anything. Now, which one of those two groups do you think was more excited and engaged in the process of putting their puzzle together? The one with the picture because they could see something greater than the pieces of the puzzle that they held in their hands. They could see that there was a goal or a bigger story to what they were doing. Now, imagine if you would, that if you didn't have a box top and you didn't even have all the other pieces, but you just had one piece of the puzzle, how demoralizing that would be. You would look at it and you'd say to yourself, I wonder what this puzzle piece is all about. I mean, why is it shaped the way that it is? Does it have a function in this life? Um, why is it cut the way that it is? Why are the colors that are on my piece, the colors that were put there? What does all this mean if you were a solitary puzzle piece? And you couldn't see what the greater picture would eventually be like. You know, friends, it's easy for us in life to have one piece of our puzzle. One moment in our life and think that this is all that there is. To think that this is the story that has been written, that this is how we are identified. And we don't know how it fits in with the rest of the story. We don't know how it fits in with the bigger picture because all we can focus on is this one piece of our story. And friends, if I've not learned anything in, you know, the 22 years that I've been alive, <laughs> it's that perspective matters, right? Would you agree that perspective matters? I heard a story of a woman who was 80 years old and she was being getting married for the fourth time. And the news uh, agencies and the news station in her town found out about it and they wanted to interview her. They thought it was so interesting that she was beginning another journey at the age of 80. And so they interviewed her and said, hey, this is great that you're getting married again and starting a new chapter. And uh, just, you know, how does it feel to be getting married again at 80? And she said, it's just great. And she said, well, what does your husband do? And he, um, she said, well, he's actually a funeral home director. And the, the news anchor was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, tell me just a little bit about your other husbands and their occupations. And she said, well, when I was in my 20s, I married a banker. When I was in my 40s, I, um, I married a ringmaster, believe it or not. Uh, when my 60s, I married a preacher. And now in my 80s, I'm getting ready to marry a funeral home director. And uh, the guy was like, wow, that's so interesting. Those guys are, have such diverse careers. I mean, 
how did you end up marrying all of those different guys at different phases of your life who were so wildly different? And the old uh, 80-year-old lady smiled to herself and she looked at the reporter and she said, well, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Listen, perspective matters. The thing I love about this lady and her story, I'm sure that it's a true story, but the thing that I love about this lady and her story is that she recognizes that there are different phases of life, that there are different pieces of the puzzle that go together to make a larger picture of things. And instead of just being focused on the piece that she is holding in her hand at a specific time, at a specific place, in a specific uh, era of her, her journey, she recognized that there are different phases to every story. And friends, I know that in life there are twists and turns, but you need to understand that a story is being written about you. And it has different chapters and different plot twists. But your story is not over. It may be the end of a chapter, but your story goes on. You know, the birds sang about this uh, long before they were angry in the 50s and 60s. To everything. You can hear my voice cracking. There is a season. You know, a guy by the name of Solomon heard that song and was inspired and he wrote something in Ecclesiastes similar to that. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And you can go read the rest of that. But he tells us there's a time for every season in our life. What if I told you today that everything that you have experienced up until this point in your life is preparing you for the next thing in your life? Now, over the next several months, we're going to be in a study on the life of a guy by the name of Moses. And I'm so excited for this journey with you. Acts chapter 7 tells us that Moses' life can be divided into three 40-year periods. And if you go through the story, and we're going to really dig into his story, but the first 40 years of his life, he lived as a ruler, attended the best schools. He was a leader of armies. He was the golden boy who enjoyed the life to the fullest, and he was on top of the world. And then everything came crashing down around him. And he entered into the second 40-year period of his life. And in the second 40-year period of his life, he loses everything. He went from leading armies to leading sheep. He went from living in a palace to sleeping in a tent. He went from being served to serving the animals he tended. He went from living in one of the greatest cities in in the known world at that time to living in the wilderness without the creature comforts that he'd become so accustomed to. He went from being a somebody to living as a nobody. And then in the third 40 years of his life, God calls him out of obscurity to the greatest journey in his life. All Moses could see was the puzzle piece that he was living at that time. But what God saw was the picture that he was putting together, the whole picture. And in the last 40 years of his life, Moses begins to see how all of the pieces are finally coming together. 
Dwight L. Moody, who was an incredible evangelist in the 20th century, said this about Moses in the three 40-year periods. He said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. And friends, at the age of 80, anybody in here 80 yet? At the age of 80, one of the greatest humans in the history of humanity finally discovers his life's mission. Everything up until that point was just preparation for what he was going to do after the age of 80. And what if I were to tell you today that God's not done with you? What if I were to tell you today that everything that you have built up to, every life experience that you've had is preparing you for the next step in your journey? What if I were to tell you that your greatest calling in life may not have been in your 40s or your 20s or your 60s or, or however numerically advanced you were, but that your life moment has culminated in this moment for such a time as this? What if I were to tell you That the best is yet to come. Now, can you imagine at the age of 80, God showing up to Moses, tells him to take off his sandals, and he's like, but these are orthopedics, and I really enjoy walking in these. And God says, hey, I got a mission for you. And Moses was like, well, God, why? After all of these years, why now? Why didn't you use me in my 40s when I had position and power and I was young and my knees were still good and I still had a full flowing mane of, of beautiful hair? Why not use me when I could have done something? Now I'm just a lowly shepherder. Shepherder? Something like that. Why didn't you use me when I could have been of service to you? Why now when I'm older and broken down and I've been humbled because I've lost everything? Why now, God? And I can see God saying to him, because you weren't ready then. You see, the beauty of your life is the flow of your story. And I think we can see so much of that beautiful flow in Moses' life. How many of us have ever feel, felt like we have failed in life? How many of us wonder about our purpose? How many of us feel useless today? How many of us, when we look in the mirror, all that we see are the ugly scars of a broken life? But what if I told you that your scars are what make you interesting? What if I told you that your scars... It's through those that God is forging strength into your character. Paul had something to say about that in Romans chapter 5 when he says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop what? Endurance. And endurance develops what? Strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. For this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know... How dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Has anybody ever heard of a guy? He's kind of obscure in history, but his name was Walt Disney. <laughs> do, do you know his story? 
Christina Moore probably does, but no one else in here may know the intricacies and the twists and turns that this great man's story took. Listen, Walt Disney, at the age of 16, he was born in 1902, at the age of 16, something called the greatest war, the, the war to end all wars began, World War One. And so he left school at the age of 16. He signed up for the Red Cross. He became an ambulance driver. When the war was over, he was discharged. He was from Chicago, but he decided to go to Kansas City. He decided that he wanted to become a cartoonist. And so he got a job at the Kansas City Star. Uh, In the first year of his employment, he was let go. Do you know why? They said he lacked creativity. Can you imagine as a young man who had dreams of being a cartoonist, who had bigger dreams that were welling up inside of him, being told that the very thing he wanted to become was the very thing that he lacked. Walt Disney isn't the kind of guy that gives up. And so he started a company called Laughogram, which was producing cartoon animations. But in 1923, that company declared bankruptcy. And so he had to move in with his brother who lived in Hollywood. And there they founded the Disney Brothers Studio, which would later be called Walt Disney Company. They continued to grind and and develop character and allowed their failures to build and become building blocks for their success. And so that in 1928, he invented a little character that you may have heard of called Mickey Mouse. And the rest is history. Now, here's the thing. We all have wins and losses, right? Most of us tend to forget our wins and focus on our losses because that's human nature. And the enemy's in there whispering in our ear, telling us what losers we are and how we wasted opportunities. And if we just had do-overs and if we could go back and change what we said or what we did. I mean, the reality is, is that In our past, we all have cringe-worthy moments that you don't tell anybody about. Not your spouse, not your children, not your parents, not your best friend. Because we are ashamed of some of those things. But also in life, we have those shining moments where we said the right thing or did the right thing or we were kind or we were the kind of parent we wanted to be or the kind of child we wanted to be or the kind of coworker we wanted to be. Little league coach, whatever, that we will hold on to for the rest of our life. Because in that moment, we did the right thing. Friends, all of those moments are important to your story. The failures as well as the successes because it's important in your story and it's all about who you are becoming. I hope you didn't miss that verb. Present tense. Because I don't care how old we are, you have not arrived. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If God is giving you breath, he's not done with you. 
The best is not yet to come. Every, or the best is yet to come. Everything that has culminated to this point, that has taken you to this moment, is because you have another mission. You have another purpose. You have something else to be involved in because God is still continuing to form your character and who you are and shape your faith and use you in dynamic ways to change lives. You are not done yet because you have not arrived. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're really a slow learner. (laughs) We're just trying to build up encouragement today, Tuesday church. Listen, the reality is, is it's time for you to recognize that God is still moving in your life. He still has a purpose for you. This church needs you. Your community needs you. Listen, your families need you to step up and be strong and be kind and be patient. Man, it's sometimes I, I'm, I wonder why God allowed me to become the age of Abraham before he gave me children. And I was telling Erica, you know, why when I'm almost 50 years old, do I finally get the, the fulfillment of my dream? I just wanted to have a family. I was, you know, when I was five years old, my mom, I came in, I was crying one day and she said, what's wrong? And I said, Sean Simpson doesn't want to be my girlfriend. And she's like, let's pray. That's all I ever wanted was a family. And Erica said, can you imagine? She said, I've heard stories and I know how short your fuse was when you were 20. And how impatient you could be. Maybe God knows what he's doing. Maybe God, in his infinite wisdom, knew the decisions you would make. And at times was protecting you from yourself. Maybe the God who formed you together in your mother's womb, who knew what your personality would be and gave you your giftedness. Maybe he's not short-sighted. Turn to the person next to you and would you tell that person that just say that you are a special person that God created for a reason. One of the greatest humans in the history of humanity at the age of 80, believed he was a failure. A man that would be important in three world religions. A man that was going to lead his people, God's people, out of bondage against the greatest ruler in the known world at that time felt like he had failed. What if God is not done with you? What if there's something more? Your greatest victory may be in the ninth inning, friends. It may be in the final act of the play and story that is being written about you. 
because you have not arrived. There's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. One of my favorite leaders in World War II is a guy by the name of Winston Churchill who was the model of the chiseled cover boy, you know, such a good-looking guy with flowing hair, impeccable. Well, if you know your history, you know that that's not quite true. In fact, someone said that every baby that's born looks like Winston Churchill. He was a man who had failed greatly, who had lost all kinds of lives in World War I with a decision he made when he worked with the Admiralty. And now he was serving at the precipice of the potential defeat of the island nation of England. He would say, though, he would make some of the most remarkable statements that I've ever heard. And he said, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Friends, someday you're going to see how all of the pieces of your puzzle fit together. You may not see it now because you may be holding on to that one piece, wondering how in the world this could make a difference. But someday God will put those pieces together for you to see the beautiful picture that he created from before the time you were born for you to live out. And someday you'll see how your puzzle piece reflects this image. This is the picture that your life is putting together. The piece that you hold right now is fitted by the narrative of the life that Jesus gave. It doesn't matter the mistakes you've made if you're in Jesus. It doesn't matter the shame that you've held on to if you're in Jesus. Because we know that as we live our life, as Romans 8 chapter uh, verse 28 says... We know that God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to what? His purpose. So what's your purpose? What's your story? Isaiah 43, 7 tells us that our purpose is to glorify God. Look it up. Look it up. Someday your story will make sense in the context of what he's building through your life. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, For now we see only a reflection is of in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You may not know how the pieces are going to look when it's finished, or the stories that are going to be written, or the songs that are going to be sung in heaven someday, and about how your part is impacting the eternal journey of other people around you. We may see a dim reflection today, but someday we will see face to face the glorious work of Jesus Christ and his work through us. As one songer sing right, one singer sang years ago when we all get to heaven. In just a second, we're going to pray and then listen, we're going to have a, a time of invitation and I'm going to be up front here. If you'd like to make a decision, if you've never made a decision for Jesus Now's the time. 
because your story won't be complete until you are walking in the newness and have been healed of the brokenness from your past. The shame has been ripped away from your heart and you can live as someone who is new, remade in the image of Jesus. If you need to know that you have a purpose, man, keep coming because listen, as my beautiful bride always says, if you have a pulse, if you have a pulse, and as far as I know, everyone here has a pulse. Ladies, now is not the time to look at your husband and nudge him. Okay. Let's pray and then just going to invite you. Dedicate yourself in this new year to believing that Jesus is not done with you yet. The best is yet to come, friends. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for your love, for your grace. God, I know that there's some people who need to hear today that they have a mission from you, that you are not done with them, that God, that there is no retirement in Christianity, that our mission is never fulfilled, that we have never arrived, that God, you continue to work on our character and uh, who we are in our hearts. You continue to call us to a greater sense of obedience and a purpose to call us to repent from the things that are keeping us from you. And God, we just pray that you would help this generation who is here today lead the next generations in what it means to follow you. Lord, we love you. Help us to connect. Help us to believe. Help us to be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.